All right, biohackers, who doesn't love a yummy, creamy whey protein shake? Oh, it is such a treat. And I really love it as a meal replacement, post-workout recovery, maybe even a midday snack. So this is why I have to tell you about Puri Protein Powder. I absolutely love the bourbon vanilla flavor and the chocolate, but I think I got to go with the, the vanilla as my favorite. So it's smooth, it's delicious. And you know what else? It's pretty awesome that the flavors come from real natural ingredients like the bourbon vanilla seeds from Madagascar. And let's talk about quality because there's a lot of junk whey protein on the market that I would not recommend. So the Puree whey protein, it comes from pasture-raised cow's milk with no hormones, no GMOs, and no pesticides. This is because Puree's mission has always been to be the best at offering pure, clean, and superior products that, that support health and well-being. And what I think truly sets them apart is that they are fully transparent with their product testing. Every batch is third-party tested against more than 200 contaminants and certified clean by the Clean Label Projects. Not all brands can say this. Plus, each product contains a QR code so you can personally scan it and review the test results at home. I know you're excited to try it out. So what you're going to do is head on over to puri.com slash biohackerbabes. That's P-U-O-R-I.com slash biohackerbabes. And then make sure you use promo code biohackerbabes at checkout to save 20%. All right, let's get back to the show. We're digging deep and asking the questions we need to ask. Years of stress and not just emotional. I was depleting my body. I was malnourished. I'm working out like crazy. I'm eating all these healthy foods. How could I not be well? We have to get back to the basics. We can change the way our genes are expressed. Anyone that wants to improve their health or upgrade their health, they should be biohacking. My name is Renee. And I'm Lauren. We are the Biohacker Babes. We're sisters and we're joining forces to empower you to become your own biohacker and upgrade your life. The Biohacker Babes podcast aims to create insight into the body's natural healing abilities, strengthen your intuition, and empower you with techniques and modalities to optimize your health and wellness. Because life is too short to not feel your best every single day. This podcast offers health, fitness, and nutritional information and is designed for educational purposes only. You should not rely on this information as a substitute for, nor does it replace professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have any concerns or questions about your health, you should always consult with a physician or other healthcare professional. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Welcome to episode 54 of the Biohacker Babes. I'm Lauren and I'm here with my sister Renee and we have a great guest interview for you today. We have Dr. Drobot on the show with us. We had a fantastic conversation with him about biological medicine. We talked about where medicine is today and sort of the gap that exists from the, the traditions and the origins of medicine and the original intentions and sort of where we are now with just a wealth of knowledge. There's so much access to information, especially with Dr. Google. So we sort of talk about where that has taken us, what's missing, how we can find solutions for that. And he does a deep dive on what biological medicine is and uh, all about his clinic and the different diagnostic tests and tools that he uses 
for everyday patients and also for athletes. He works with a lot of professional athletes. And then all the fun biohacking stuff. He has worked with everything. He's probably owned every piece of biohacking equipment ever created. So he has some great insights and a lot of really fun analogies that I really appreciated. So we're really excited to get into this. Before we get started, I just want to read you his bio. So Dr. Jerobot, the health performance specialist, is an international leading authority on European biological medicine and electroceutical performance technologies, and is the founder of American Centers of Biological Medicine in Scottsdale, Arizona, and the Biomed Center New England, collectively the largest, most comprehensive biological medical centers in North America. Dr. Jerobot serves as the medical liaison and performance program designer for Nexus Wellness, the Bahamas-based luxury wellness destination. He is also currently a consultant for the Arizona Cardinals and the performance specialist to the Arizona Coyotes professional organizations. We are so excited to share this conversation with you, and we'll definitely share any resources that we have at the end so that you can get in touch with him or maybe even visit his biomed center in Arizona or in Rhode Island. He is so awesome. We really hope you enjoy this conversation. All right. So welcome, Dr. Jobot. We are so happy to have you here and to have a little chat today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Awesome. Yeah. So you're in Arizona. It's nice and hot. You and Renee have the dry heat. I have Boiling. the humidity, but mm-hmm. we're, all, we're all getting through. <laughs> we'll all be, yeah, there's worse things in the world right now, I guess. We're not even supposed to be talking about that, but I mean, <laughs> yeah, the heat, yeah. The heat used to be a big topic and now it's a very very small thing we're allowed to speak about. So yeah. we'll, uh, bigger things, I guess. Oh, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so we're so excited to hear about your practice and everything that you're doing. You have such an amazing uh, overview of, of the state of the world and, and medicine and how we should be taking care of our bodies. What has been going on for you the last couple of months, either with you personally or, or with your practice and how you are seeing clients? I mean, it's interesting because this is probably in 20 years of medicine, this has never happened. Right. Where I we can say so I have a big facility or my clinics are big facilities that, you know, we do consultations, but then we also do a lot of biohacking, as you know. So we'll that requires a body, you know, of somebody present with a heartbeat to kind of come in. And we just haven't had the opportunity or I mean, the world has kind of moved into a different space. So we've had three months of kind of looking at each other and doing lots of stuff online and lots of replanning. And normally I'll be engaged in some kind of sports related activities with some kind of a team because we were just supposed to be in NHL playoffs and then we were supposed to go through some NFL training camps and uh, none of that is happening. So um, I've been working on my pool game. Uh, I've been swimming in the backyard with my kids and that's uh, I feel like I've really made some strides. I feel like that's that's what I've been doing this past little while. Um, lots of virtual consultations, lots of lots of interesting conversations about that. That's where that's basically what I've been doing. So I'm interested and excited to see the world return back to some semblance of normality and and to resume my hectic schedule. But it's been nice. I've been I've been on a semi sabbatical, I guess. Yeah, you can't complain yeah. about getting sunshine and having a full time with your kids. Sounds wonderful. Yeah, it was. But- yeah, it's been a great pandemic for me. I really have. Uh, I've kind of enjoyed it. But silver linings, <laughs> uh, kind of like the end. I remember when you were in on summer vacation. Now we're kind of at the end of it when you're in school and you're like, OK, I think I've I think I've checked the boxes. I'm ready. Uh, I'm ready to get back. But I could do virtual all day. It's just like I said, it's basically what we're doing now. Right. There's not. Uh, it's 
I mean, medicine is moving towards this. Maybe if we say that, which is, un- is unfortunate because medicine has been shortening up in time, you know, and, and been, I'm going to say, distilling in information as we go to specialization of medicine and we don't really look at the top down and we take all of these factors into play. And now, unfortunately, in the last three months, I mean, we're even taking the person away. Right. So instead of having, you know, there used to be that doctor that goes to your house with the black bag and he'd look you up and down and he'd know all this stuff. And then it went to like, we can't talk about all this stuff. We need to talk about just some of this stuff. And then it ended up being, well, we can't talk about some of this stuff. We need to talk about one of these things because I don't have a lot of time. And then now it's like, I don't even want to see you. Right. I just need to be basically have a video yeah. screen. So I don't know. I think that's, um, I think that'll be an interesting. Yeah, it's as if the symptoms are the answers. Like, oh, great, you have a symptom. I know exactly how I can fix that. I'm just going to prescribe this to you. Rather than energetically being in the same space with a person and digging a little bit deeper. I mean, there's stuff you can possibly do virtually. You can't test someone's HRV through their computer screen or do any thermography or any of the, the lab testing, right? No, I mean, we have wearables now. So again, technology will always take it to a different spot, right? Because technology, medicine is supposed to go to one to one, but it's trying to go one to many. And technology has always been based to go one to many, right? I mean, you don't, you don't make any money in technology. So you gain all this extra information with some of these wearables. And we can, I mean, there's a whole host of them now. When I first started, there was none. And so now we can get some of these applicable pieces of information or, you know, and uh, as far as Looking at the body, we always say like the body is broken down in the system. So what what's that piece of information we get, right? We we still in medicine don't really look at the nervous system other than what it might be as far as some kind of pathological thing. So if there's not an illness that is with the nervous system, such as ALS or MS, then we don't look at it, right? Because we're like, well, yeah. I mean, if you're still blinking your eyes, then you have a good nervous system. I mean, we have stress. <laughs> and anxiety and insomnia and depression, and we medicate all those. Um, But we really don't measure the nervous system or understand what we're supposed to be using to do it. We just say, why don't you just quit your job and walk a little more? And it's like, I can't really do that. Um, And so then we medicate it, right? So we just give out antidepressants and and sleep medications like they're chiclets, and then nobody ever comes back to that question again. Because once you get on that train, um, it's very hard. And you know, we, we do it a lot with females, females, you know, we just prescribe antidepressants and birth control pills, and then nobody has a conversation anymore because nobody wants to talk about menstrual cycles and nobody wants to talk about um, emotions and, and how we'll say the environment can kind of affect that. And I can say that from seeing lots of female athletes. I mean, we just, we're like, wow, we really don't pay any attention to performance and any kind of biology anymore. And it's uh it's pretty um, pharmaceutically based, which does work for some things. But as far as when we're looking at longevity, right, and performance, it probably doesn't exist in there, you know, and it, uh, yeah. because anything that has a side effect or anything that limits your ability to output any kind of energy or to have your own hormones um, is very, very limiting for longevity and performance. And, th- and that's where, you know, I live. I kind of live in that space a little bit, which is like, if that doesn't work, then we need to do other things. Yeah. I will say like the whole birth control thing, I'm sure we could go down that rabbit hole, but none of my friends or clients when they were put on birth control were explained uh, the potential side effects. 
Like no well, one was yeah, told that. Yeah, I, I mean, I have two daughters and it's like, okay, the, the side effects. And in medicine, we all know what the side effects are because, I mean, they're, it says they're carcinogenic, right? So we're supposed to end. I mean, sometimes we use them, but we were always, like, even when I started again 20 years ago, we didn't, that wasn't the go-to, right? Because there was still like, there was still some fear around this. Like we were still supposed to be like, well, if I put you on this and you're 15, we're using synthetic hormones and we know that it increases the risk of X, Y, Z. So I'm going to put you on this for a certain period of time. And then we were supposed to get off it. And then food changed and gluten changed and everybody was having nothing but symptoms. And so we just kind of reverted to the fact like, okay, well, everybody's going to go on these until you want to have a baby. And then it's like, well, guess what? Now we are infertility just rose like this. Right, that market exploded because we put all these 15 and 14 year olds on birth control pills, and when they want to have a baby later, it's like, whoops, like we we messed that up. And then we have all of these other, we have, I mean, so many female diseases, which I mean, the environment is basically caused. And we're left to say, like, there's no cleanup process to this. You just pop off the pill, and if you don't get your cycle back, then no big deal. And female athletes, it's my number one pet peeve when we get female athletes and they're trying to get performance and somebody has put them on the birth control pill or they've lost their cycle. And then we go, go on the birth control pill and we realize like it suppresses things like testosterone. You know, it suppresses the things like their hormones. So how are we going to get the most out of that um, when we've essentially done that? And of course, with male athletes or males, we'd never do that. Right? Like we never say, oh, I think I'm going to take your testosterone away for the next seven years. And then somebody would be like, no, absolutely no, not. not. That wouldn't happen. <laughs> that will never, that will never happen. And yeah. so then it's like, well, what's the practice? And, and it's a, it's a strange thing, as I'm saying, talking to, you know, two females that are in the athletic, you know, we're at least trying to say, well, for longevity and stuff. And then it's like half of the female population is medicated with something. And it's just like, I don't, I don't get yeah. it. But it is what it yeah. is, right? It's easier yeah. to shut it down and not deal with it. That happens physically, mentally, emotionally. No one wants to do the work. And it's well, so much nobody... easier to swallow something. And move, technically, what they think is moving on with their lives. But they're creating a shitstorm. Well, the problem is, as, as far as physicians, we've been limited to what we... If we're in, the, if we're in network, right? And this is, the, this is the, whole, the whole problem that we have. So we always say we don't have enough time and enough tools. And the patient now is armed with information, these computers, right? So the, the whole different conversation because the patient comes in now and they have this amount. They say, you're not going to give me that because it gives me this whole list of Google side effects, right? Or I'm going to come in and Dr. Google has already told me a bunch of stuff. So as physicians, you're like, nothing I can do, right? It doesn't happen in your world. Nobody comes in and says, you're going to, you're going to do this training program for me. You're like, no, Fuck. I'm going <laughs> to, You're coming to me so I can tell you that. And then if you could imagine yourself limited to five minutes um, and then having these big, long conversations, I get it. I get I see it on both sides. Physicians are frustrated and patients are frustrated. And it's like, okay, then we probably need to do something new and different, which is what wearables and biohacking is starting to do, right? Starting to disturb this space by coming in here and saying, well, you're going to do it by yourself right? You're going to get all these metrics by yourself and you're going to learn about this stuff by yourself. And then you're going to go and join your local cryo club and freeze yourself 30 days in a row. And then we'll see. And then I'm like, I don't think that's, I'm not sure if that's the recipe either, but at least no, 
like we're see- it at seems least- like it's on the right path we're, we're getting yeah everybody's starting <laughs> we're to do closer. their own yeah we're getting we're getting to the fact like if you don't do this i will do this and then yes. the, and then of course the economy has made it available and so before yeah. like you couldn't just fire up a nitrogen tank like you needed some kind of you needed something remember when tanning beds came out and they're like oh 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 right? yeah like, you better watch this and then that was high like, school for us that was that was really big it was remember that you know, monday through friday be, what you doing after then, school yeah and then yeah. everybody would be like now you can tan two days a week for 30 minutes and then somebody was like Oh, screw this. I'm just gonna like, I have this tanning bed sitting here. You can buy a membership. And if you want to come in every day, you just got to put these little goggles on. That's the only protection I need. And you can go ahead and bake yourself as many times as you want to. And I think, you know, biohacking is kind of funny because tanning beds were probably the first biohacking. Like that exactly. we actually yeah, saw. That's a good point. Like where you could go in and you could say, I think I want to do this. And then the company would say, well, you get vitamin D out of it. And then Medicine would stay well, well, you get, you know, skin cancer out of it. And then everybody was just kind of left with like, I'm not sure what to do. And so I'm interested to yeah. see what the next, I'm going to say five years holds because you're starting to see, especially in the fitness world, biohacking is penetrating the fitness world more than it is medicine. Because for mm-hmm. doctors, it's still a hard you know, it's, it's a hard thing to go to because it's like, oh, the equipment is expensive and I don't understand like a lot about it. And the, the patients seem like they're crazy. And so, like, I'm not sure how I'm supposed to get into this space. And so we'll see. Well, what and happens. it's really yeah. important for patients to have a baseline of health where with athletes, they probably already have a baseline because they're already trying to upgrade and get ultimate performance. Where with most patients, they probably have some fundamental issues that need to be corrected first. Well, you, anytime you're trying to do something, like you're trying to do it with the effect of having something happen from it, right? So some of these places that open up and it's just a free for all and you go in and in there and you, you do 50 neurofeedbacks and then you're doing lymphatics the next day. And then somebody's got some kind of PMF hooked up to your head. And I'm like, I'm not sure that what you guys are doing, but like, I'm interested as you are to see the results of it, but that's, that's also a pretty unique experiment. Like it's supposed to be guided, you know, when I, so I'll tell you how I started this. That was Europe used to be when I was in medical school. I mean, this was a billion years ago, right? I mean, then Europe was the people that were, were doing this and they had a big conference called medicine week, which was in Baden, Baden still happens. And all of the top technologies and all the weird gadgetry, Um, would be at this one location. And so I would fly over there and I'd say, oh, that's interesting. And I, you know, coming from exercise physiology into medicine, um, you kind of learn like biology and physiology are important. And pharmacology has its place, but it was really like I was interested in biology and physiology and not so much into pharmacology, even though I use it and I think it's interesting. And so Europe was the place where you had these machines um, and you had all this technology because they were very wonderful at physics. You know, they were, they said, I'm not so concerned with biochemistry because biochemistry has its limitations, right? And has its side effects. And they had a bunch of people that were really good at physics. And that's kind of where all of that stuff started. And then it started to come over um, to North America. But I mean, now it's, and I'd say it's still very, very early 
Um, but it's still now you see some photons. None of that is new, right? PMF, none of that is new. I mean, that is like this is all very old stuff that has been packaged up into new interfaces with software. Um, but the hardware is all still and I have a whole museum full of junk. I mean, because I'm a consumer of this craziness. Sounds like our dad's basement. Our dad, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, your dad and I probably, we could swap some stories and say, you really got suckered for that? And I'll be like, twice. It's like a twice for that. (laughs) That's okay. The number of PEMF mats that we had at our house is... Yeah, he's tried all of them. some of them work. Like some of them work. And if you don't try it... I mean, the interesting thing was back then, there was no metric for it, right? Because we couldn't test anything. Because we didn't have little things that we could put on our finger and they can measure our HRV. We had nothing like that. So you just had to take somebody's word for it and believe like, I'm not, like, I'm not a physicist. I don't know what that crazy guy was saying, but I mean, I believe it. And then yeah. some of the stuff really was, uh, it's really quite powerful and it kind of leads us into this next five years of, you know, will it really get impactful into medicine? And I think it will. It really do. Yeah. So I think some of our listeners are familiar with biological dentistry because we've had our dad on the show and we talk about that a lot. And that kind of stems from biological medicine. And that's, you know, our dad got a lot of training in biological medicine to learn about the dental piece. But can you just explain to people what is biological medicine? I think a lot of people don't know that term. Yeah, it's kind of a, and and the description of that is just kind of a garbage can of like what every, because we always say, well, here's alternative medicine and here's integrative medicine and here's naturopathic medicine. And then here's biological medicine. And here's functional medicine, right? We hear all these things. So I would say biological medicine is more steeped in the fact that it really comes from Europe and it uses, integrates physics. So all of these little things that we were talking about, homeopathy, all of these biohacking machines. And it says, we're going to go from the top down, which is why biological dentistry is such a big part of biological medicine. Because if we don't look at the mouth, but the power of the immune system that resides in there, and somebody has chronic disease, we're missing a big piece of it. So it was really impossible to ignore the mouth in biological medicine. And then we said, well, say biological medicine has physics combined with biochemistry, right? And biology, physiology, and dentistry. And then we take the one that people might know, which is functional medicine, which is more like a North American based, which doesn't, everybody's good and everybody, I mean, everybody has their spot. And functional medicine is based more on lab testing and supplementation, right? That's kind of, so you have to have a school, right? Like if I'm going to, if I'm going to be a chef then I have this discipline and I need to have some parameters that I'm going to base around it. And biological medicine was the most interesting to me because it combined the performance with the physics piece of it. Functional medicine is beautiful because it has more biochemistry where if this you know lab goes down we do this and then this comes back up and it still has the mental emotional pieces and all that stuff and then allopathic medicine is always great and interesting too because it does really well with emergency medicine right so we're supposed to all have like our own little places where we kind of reside but um yeah i really like it. biological medicine because it's top down and pretty science heavy and it's endless as far as like the physics and the machinery that you can get into. Yeah. And how did you first learn about biological medicine? It's a great question. I was sitting in my medical school. So again, when I went to medical school, I never had a problem with schooling. So I could do whatever 
not I, I want, don't want to say I didn't work hard, but I didn't have to work as hard. And then I could remember things really well and I could synthesize information. So when I was sitting in medical school down in Portland, Oregon, and it was November and raining outside, and I'd never seen something like that in my life because I came from Calgary where at least snow, and everybody was like, oh, you're going to love this because you're going to be no snow. And I'd be like, you can't even go outside. It just rained all the time. So I went down to my medical school in Portland, and I was sitting in there, and this was before, like, (laughs) this was when there was tape courses. And the librarian just used to see me sit in there because during anatomy and physiology class, I was like, all right, like, I don't, I've done this three times, right? I'm going to go down to this library, which is a world renowned library. And I'm going to start to pick up all, I'm going to read every single book I can on whatever I'm interested in at that time. And there was a little German guy in there who was the chief librarian and he would see me come in there and he's like, you got to check this stuff out. And virtually there were courses from Europe on biological medicine. And so, you know, one of the great physicians is Thomas Rao. So he would, he would give these tape courses and they were always kind of cut up in English. And I just like full time have this headset on with this tape, these tapes going. And he would just, me and him would spend our library budget just on ordering in um, tape courses from Europe. And then I just kind of got into it, didn't even know what it was about, and then flew to Europe a bunch of times and said, back then you could because you just showed up with a backpack and nobody really thought you were threatening. So you Did you go come. to Paracelsus? I went to Paracelsus. I went to Germany. Cool. I went to Baden-Baden Medicine Week. I mean, I just showed up everywhere and started to like synthesize this stuff and put it put it together and then get vega machines and electrodermal testing and you're used to bring it back here and be like oh i'm going to try this and then went up to a guy that you was practicing biological medicine in Kelowna, british columbia for a little bit and then just kind of took off with it other than that there's not that many biological medicine practitioners around just like for your dad at least biological dentistry now your dad who's a pioneer will tell you that that's not catching fire either right mm-hmm. but at least it's there and people now mm-hmm. understand that it's there, but it's a very special practice that requires special equipment. So it's not something that a lot of, you know, new doctors or new dentists can just jump into because it really, you know, it does require some investment in time, energy, and money. And so Absolutely. Um, they're specialties, you know, we're specialists, I guess. Yeah. But so you took that biological medicine piece and kind of built the biohacking component in. So I'm curious, like, what is biohacking to you? Yeah, that's funny. Biohacking was what I used to do 20 years ago. That's the, that's the funny thing. Cause people would be like, well, biohacking. I'm like, Oh no, no, no. You can call it that. I mean, but it was used to be my practice, right? Like you used to, I used to be well known, especially again for athletics and stuff like that. I used to be known for machinery to improve performance, especially in pro athletics, because we're, we can't use biochemistry, right? That's called illegal. You know, there's, and so it was like, what can we do to make people, and I take a personal interest in it, what can we do to make people faster, stronger, and get the most out of their physiology? And that always entered into physics, nervous system balancing, hormone optimization. I mean, we did all of that stuff. And then biohacking kind of came along and I was like, hey, like somebody, somebody else is kind of learning some of this stuff. And then biohacking, you know, to me is, is um, I love it because I'm like, it's more right now, I'd say a hobby than a discipline because I'd say, what's biohacking to you? 
and you'd say, well, we have no parameters to this, right? Like biohacking to you is wearing my aura ring. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I get it, right? Like I'm with it. Like, or where, or I'm going to go on my Beamer mat. I'm biohacking. I'm like, you certainly are. Like, I think that's great. Like I go at it. Cause my mom, you know, I was biohacking. I did my grade five science fair project on color lights and muscle testing. So I grew up weird. Like you did probably with your dad. And it's like, well, I think I was biohacking way back then somehow using like muscle testing and wake oh, up yeah. in the middle of the night. And my mom would have this big red light shining on me. I'd be like, what the, like, what the hell is going on? But that's awesome. Yeah, I was trying to, my mom was changing my biology, right? So she was trying to amplify my biology. And to me, um, that's biohacking. And, and however people do it, I mean, we kind of say that you need technology but I'm not sure. I'm not sure that meditation back in the day, I'm not sure tai, tai Chi back in the day, I'm not sure any of that stuff back in the day couldn't be considered biohacking because you were still trying to amplify biology. And I think um, that's what we all should be doing. Yeah. We love talking about the range of free biohacking all the way to the fancy technology, right? You could do the cold shower, which is basically free, or you could pay a lot of money and do a cryotherapy session, right? right. It's like you have a wide array of options. Whatever you decide to do to change the current state of your cell, that's essentially, you know, what biohacking ends, ends up being. So there's a whole book, you know, a little pamphlet that I wrote, I'll give it to you, called the Basin, Basic Treatment Guidelines. It came from a great mentor called Dick Tom, um, who's, was, who was a great friend of mine. And that, that was biohacking, which was apple cider vinegar, some probiotics, dry skin brushing, cold showers. You know, that deep diaphragmatic breathing, I mean, all that stuff. And then when you track it, you know, the dumbest thing is, well, always the funniest thing is, you know, people will come up and they'll say, hey, check out this, this tool that I got, right, that I'm going to test my nervous system with. And then we'll go on a bunch of mats and everybody will show, like, the, go to trade shows and everybody will show all these, like, wonderful technologies. And then you'll just get somebody to do diaphragmatic breathing and they get better HRV results. And I'm like, well, there you go. Right? You just saved yourself $10,000. You just didn't know how to breathe. Right? So all you needed to do is loosen up your diaphragm and that was it. Right? And put a smile on your face, loosen up your diaphragm. You just fixed your HRV scores. And that, you know, that... We can do these things that are free. You know, the, when we use technology, we're putting the body in a certain window, right? Just like when we do training, we're putting the body in a certain, we're putting a bicep in a certain window, and we're saying, can you adapt to this new stimulus? And if we do it enough times, we get adaptation. Well, cold showers every single day, you know, will get adaptations diaphragmatic breathing will get adaptations and we can track all that stuff so that's free and maybe you're supposed to do that all the time right because that's what you used to do by the way right that's the way that our our systems are set up to kind of go back and say if i stress it this way and i get good sleep in complete darkness and i don't eat genetically modified stuff and I run around chasing rabbits sometimes, like maybe I'm just going to be pretty healthy. And it's like, yeah, yeah, that's the way it used to be. Yeah. So obviously there's a million things that you could do, but you you could just end up stacking these things up. But I think the goal is probably to empower your own body to, you know, enact its natural mechanisms to take care of yourself, like to take care of your immune system and to have natural energy, right? Like we could just 
biohack all day, but if we're not learning from it, or if it's not actually like jumpstarting a natural mechanism, then we're just like adding all these things. And I know you talked about that before, like what is the danger in, in adding anything from pharmaceuticals or even like, I'll just put in quotations, like natural supplements or just all these practices right. rather than looking at the stressors and maybe just eliminating the stressors. So how do we find that balance between adding all of these maybe positive things versus just looking at the baseline and maybe trying to just knock off some things that are not helping us? Well, I think that that's where the assessment comes. Like you, you, you're supposed to track, like you take your car into the shop. And then they do your electrical system, then they do your coolant system, then they check your tires. And then you're going to find out, like, why isn't my car driving as well as it could? And then we're supposed to then do a treatment, right, which the mechanic is really good at. They will treat your car with exactly what they need, and they don't, like, mess with the other stuff. And I think that's biohacking is like you take your car in, and then they just replace everything and they just do everything to everything. And then you drive it out and you're like, I think that worked. And I'm <laughs> like, but, but you just disrupted everything. So looking at, you know, when, again, systems, when we say, can you just tell me what your digestive system, hormone studies, nervous system readings, you know, can you tell me what all these are so we can find the hole in the bucket? Because the last thing your body wants is a bunch of noise. Or like it doesn't need 50 million things. I mean, I have more stuff than I would bet anybody has. And if I did it all to everybody, I don't even know what would happen. But I bet like I would put them Chaos. through a ton of stress. And it's yeah. like learning 50 different languages. Like I think you did the work, but did you get the result? And you're just right. looking for like, can you get a result? Like, can I push you down the hill a little bit? And then the whole goal again is... If you can't if you can't do it, then maybe there is something we need to replace, right? Maybe if you don't have a hormone, or if it was gone, or if we suppressed it, maybe we need it, or maybe there's something. If you can't tolerate gluten, then we need to take it away. And if we have our hearts broken by that, then it is. I'm not saying you don't. You have to, because there's other things we can do to make it better. But it, in the end, we're looking for how efficient can we make your system because the end goal is longevity and feeling really well. So can you talk about some of the assessments or the, the tools that you use to run these diagnostic tests? Sure. So we use full body thermographies, which are like full, well, we're looking at point testing. So not necessarily pictures, right? So I, my perfect assessment would be they go to your dad, like on the East coast, my clinic has biological dentistry in the clinic so that people with chronic um, disease are supposed to come and you'll be like, and I know everybody and your dad can speak on this. I don't have any problem because I don't have a dental board, but it's like, you know, when there's cavitations or when there's other local infections or focal infections or when there's heavy metals, like the mouth is a real big thing because it's one of the things that's exposed to the environment. So I, if somebody has chronic disease, we're not just talking about performance, right? If somebody has chronic disease and I want to see that whole picture and maybe I don't do anything about it, but I want to see that. Obviously, heart rate variability studies, food sensitivity testing, full body thermography, so we can see reflexively which organs may not be responding as well to stress as we need them to. And so we can find out where those little weak organs are. And you guys are welcome to come to my clinic anytime. And we can take a peek at this. And we go through a bunch of energetic testing again. 
So we can see that. I really like structural assessments. So I like upper cervical chiropractics. I like diaphragmatic work. I mean, there's nothing that we have that won't be checked so that we can see, again, if somebody does that once a year or twice a year and they can find out, like, maybe this is where my body lags a little bit and you focus on that, then you don't have to do X, Y, and Z and take a suitcase full of supplements and like a medicine cabinet full of pills. And, and sometimes it's like, just get this one piece that's clunky going and then we'll be good. Everybody knows a lymphatic system is a really important thing, but nobody has any ways to measure it. I'm like, well, what are you doing then? Like that's your major garbage collection system. If it's backed up, why are we putting 50 more supplements into this? Like, what are, what are we getting from that? And then everybody will say, well, we're just going to detox and do intermittent fasting and do these juice cleansing. And I'm like, there's no hormone to do that. So what are we doing from that? <laughs> like what I like medicine is supposed to be a practice, right? We're supposed to practice on you guys, but with technology, we're supposed to use some of it so that maybe we practice a little bit less, right? Or we do something a little more intelligently. So we're like, Ooh, I mean, if, if we're, Gastroenterologists don't run food sensitivity testing, right? I just find that interesting. Right? Like this is your that's your business, right? If you guys don't believe that food has anything to do with the GI system, then what are we going to do other than celiac disease? And that's you know that's weird, but that's like talk to your dad. And there's still some dentists that say, well, mercury doesn't have a problem. And I'm like, well, it's pretty much like it's out of every other industry except yours. So yeah, and I had these yeah. conversations with dentists, and I'm like, you cannot believe that. Right. Like yeah. we, we're still having these hard things where we're looking at saying, you know, if we don't use tools and we don't use information that we have now and we don't get full assessments done or at least other pieces of information, then how are we going to treat? Right? Like what's what's right. the goal? Because doctors don't want you medicated it either because then we have to manage your medication and they come with side effects. Like the whole goal would be have a very healthy practice. Like I said, with that guy with that black bag, you know, that gal comes over, she's got a black bag. You say, I'm doing really well. She checks you up and down and says, keep doing what you're doing. And then that's it. You know, those are, those are great yeah. practices. Yeah. So the assessments really just kind of jumpstart what treatments to do. So you can, right. And you can do a lot control. of that stuff now with at home tests, right? Like let's, let's be honest, you know, stool tests and hormone tests and food sensitivity tests. I mean, a lot of these are now dry blood spot tests, especially in the wake of like what we just went through in the past four months. Like companies aren't dumb. You know, yeah. they, they, they rush to find solutions and so they find solutions. And so you can get nervous system assessments and all that stuff. And then you have a conversation. The thing is you have to sit across from somebody and have the conversation. Like what does all this information mean? Or else, like, there's nothing that drives people more crazy than having their bands and rings and they get this information back. And then it just pisses you off every day to wake up in the morning. You're like, another crappy day, right? Like, I, another, I just had another crap. I am not ready to train, right? I didn't sleep at all. And then I'm like, wow, you probably don't need to have that information, right? Like, some, I think having a subset of that information, but then sharing it with somebody. And again, in the world of training, it's like, you don't just go watch some YouTube videos on like max squats and just go and try it. Like I, I, you're going to, that's <laughs> right. not, you need a coach. <laughs> yeah. You should get technique. And so like when we have this information, it can be a little devastating for people. 
because they're like, well, I thought I was really good. And it's like, well, as long as you're working at that job, you're not. And so, but who are we to say that to somebody? You know, that's a, that's a hard pill to swallow. And you're like, well, stop measuring it and start doing something about it. I mean, that's, that's kind of what those, you're supposed to get information and it prompts you to do something different. And if you don't want to do something different, don't stress yourself with the information. Yeah, that really could be a tipping point. I know plenty of people that have gotten an aura ring and they wake up and they're upset every day. Yeah, why do you want to? But they don't want to change anything. And so now, when people ask me about an aura ring or whoop band or any of these recovery trackers, I'm like, are you ready for the information? If you're no, not, what ready, do you want to do about the information when you see it's not great? Right? Yeah, like, a lot of people don't want to make the changes. Yeah, people say, well, I don't want to go ahead and look at my bank account because I don't want to know how much debt I'm in. I'm like, good. Yeah, I'm with you. Right? Like, don't. But then don't wake up every morning and be like, oh, didn't sleep again. And I'm like, stop looking at it at the start of the day then. Right? Like, if you don't want to know. Or just be proactive. You become, yeah, you become obsessed with this piece of information, which is like, but if you didn't want to do anything with it, um, why did you spend 500 bucks? And at yeah. least, like you said, be proactive. You know, there's nothing worse in medicine than people checking their blood pressure 15 times a day. All it does is raise your blood pressure. Like right. we all know this. And in the world <laughs> of training, it's like, you know, the worst people to trade are the people that step on a scale 10 times a day. Nothing positive happens with that metric. Right? No, because like, that's all their brain can focus on yeah. is a number and then what's coming in and out. And just like Pavlov's dog, it's just that stress response, right? As soon as they open up their app on the phone, I'm like, you just wrecked your whoop numbers for the day. Like that's it. Like either you like have to master this or you have to like not give a crap about it, but you can't obsess about it because there's no way like nervous systems, biology is funny. You know, like people say, what is the difference between a pro athlete for you and like an amateur athlete who are still really good athletes, right? They still have the last name athlete. And it's like the pro athlete just seems to be able to do it in the most relaxed way, right? Mm -hmm. It almost like they're just the speed of their nervous system to do this. They might not even be the best athlete, but you put them in this situation and they're probably not the ones that work the hardest, but you put them in a huge mindset approach or mindset. They just have like, reflexes and and the ability to slow something down that's really fast and then they can execute a movement and i mean i think that's like that's the hardest thing is that you can't be really good at your hrv right you actually you actually have to have a great parasympathetic nervous system to have a good hrv so if you stress about it you're just going to make the number worse just go down Yeah. yeah I have a rule for myself. If I know that I had a bad night of sleep or, you know, just totally did all the wrong things, I will not look at my, my metrics the next day. Just no, those are, it's crazy <laughs> to track it for sleep unless you have a solution for it, right? Like, okay, can you just show me that? Like if you go to like resorts, then they should give you that. And you're like having some good drinks and you're just relaxing, frolicking around all day. And then you go and you like go to, st- okay. But like, why would you test that on a Wednesday after you've just had a grinding week? Like, I I, I laugh because I don't know what you expect the number to say. That's what it <laughs> says. That's a real number. And they're like, fix it. I'm like, you fix it. You fix it. Yeah, I'm not fixing that. <laughs> I'm like, you shouldn't have even saw that it was a problem in the first place. Like, why would you want to know that? And people yeah. are like, oh, my God. 
I can't eat anything. I'm like, you're the one that did the food sensitivity test. I didn't prescribe that because I get to collect everybody else's patients and they come in with like stacks full of all this diagnostics and they're like, look how much stuff is wrong with me. And I'm like, that suitcase is what's wrong with you. And the other one (laughs) with that many supplements is the other problem, right? We have two things here. You have too much information on yourself and then you have too many treatments that you're doing on yourself. And I'm like, you can't even, there's no way you're going to respond to any of these treatments. It's too much baggage. It's just like you have created such a stress response with your health because that's biohacking kind of went in and it's going there. Never, ever forget the basics. Never forget the basics. If you have a little bit of like electricity, some oxygen, some nutrition and some hormone, like you can get a lot of stuff done, right? And then you have to have this other piece where it's, you know, at least don't have these things weighing you down, whether it's like what your dad's business is, whether it's a dental infection or a food sensitivity or somebody in your life that's, or your whoop band, like whatever is dragging you down. Like you're always, and all stress is a perception anyway. So your whole goal is like, how am I going to manipulate these things to get the most power out of my body? Like what environment am I going to put my system in to get the best next day? Right. And then if I put these things together and I have some technology that maybe pushes that system that is a little pokey, I mean, maybe we can do that. And then people are always like, well, what was the protocol? They're like, what is the protocol for Crohn's disease? I'm like, oh, this is the problem. It doesn't (laughs) scale well because I can't give you a protocol. And that's why people, companies will be like, can you come and teach your protocols? And I'm like, you'll be so disappointed. Um, because I don't have, you'd have to have all of this stuff. Like I'm really happy with my career, right? And I'm, I, I'm interested every day, you know, one hour here, we'll have a pro football player and the next hour we'll have a six month old baby. And then it's like, you got to have that. Like you got to have that. We'll say that vast realm that you can say, you know, that pro athlete and that baby still have a liver. That's what they have in common. And I'm just trying to figure out what part doesn't work exactly like it's supposed to, but there's no protocol for that. Right. That's right. It's a yeah. huge ability to listen and then react to the, you have to, you know, the best situation. doctors I still say are veterinarians. I'll always say that because their patients don't talk. I'll always say that. And they still mm. like, they, you bring your dog in. There's no like telehealth for your dog, you know, where you're just going to look at your dog's face and you're going <laughs> to tell say, me your oh. problems. <laughs> yeah. They're like, I really actually have to touch my patient. I'm going to touch my patient. I do some diagnostics, which is like, wow, like you actually do some diagnostics on your animal. I have a dog. They actually touch your animal. They do some diagnostics. They ask what you're feeding your dog, right? Is that's the most like, I've seen a thousand pediatricians that have like, they don't even ask what they're, what are you feeding your kid? It's like, well, the kid has behavioral problems. If we don't believe that food has any contribution to that, then I'm not sure right? If it just kind of appeared out of nowhere. And so veterinarians, I mean, they're still like, I still think they're the best doctors out there because you're learned, you never lost your observation. You know, you still palpate. And so they they do a pretty good job at it, I think. Yeah. That's, that's a really good point. So I'm curious a little bit back to the biohacking piece. Like, what do you feel are the top, maybe two or three biohacks for athletes or for anyone that wants to upgrade their performance? Like, is it optimizing HRV or? Well, I I still think, you know, for my money and for my money, 
I mean, I still think impacting the nervous system with pulse electromagnetic fields, so I can do that, adding ATP or electricity, and again, oxygenation, whether you're going to do um, oxygen contrast therapy or really hard chamber hyperbarics. I don't really like soft chamber hyperbarics, but I like hard chamber hyperbarics. I mean, oxygenation and, and electricity are the two things for athletes that can just get it done. Because really, that's what you're trying to do. You know, you're taking in oxygen. At the end of the day, you're going to make some kind of electricity off of that or energy, and then you're going to spend it. And if a muscle has more of that available, it can do more work and can heal faster. And if you have more of that to spend, we'll say outwardly, I mean, you go faster and you recover a lot better when you have those two things in. When an athlete and a lot of us don't have these enzyme systems to be like really good at doing a lot with oxygenation. So then we all know that we have to use lactic acid. And that hurts. So like, what is the stopping point for people in their training? It's lactate levels, right? You go until it hurts. And then you'd say, well, at least today or in the next month, I was able to do this much and I wasn't, I didn't feel like my legs were broken in the morning and like I could do more and lift more without pain. And so the limiting factor is usually lactic acid. And so the people, if we can move lactic acid out of the system better or we can get enzyme systems can do yet if we can do enzyme systems that have a little more oxygen in the system in there i mean they can do a lot better and especially in pro athletics because there's the sport is one thing but the grind is a whole nother you know time zones and traveling around it's a terrible thing um but like if you think your whoop bandlet's bad with you staying in your bed all the time imagine what your whoop bandlet's like when you have to travel all over the place and you're not with your family and there's nothing we can't i mean we're trying to do the best that we can to stabilize an environment which is chaotic at best Mm -hmm. so if we can calm down nervous systems as you said and we can aid recovery with oxygenation and electricity I mean, we can do a pretty good job with that. And you can, mm-hmm. um, you'd, be re- you'd be amazed with some of the effects you can get with that. Talk so you mentioned oxygen, obviously one of the most important nutrients, right? We right. can fast, we can go without water, we need oxygen. What are your thoughts on people wearing masks all the time now? Do you see there being an issue with like hypoxia or... Well, it's always, I mean, people don't breathe at the best of times anyways, because stress has just kind of moved our diaphragms up into our rib cages and we're in constant sympathetic stress. Mm. Now you put a mask on there. Remember, we used to train that way. You just wore snorkels all over the place. Like we, that used to be a training effect so we could build up some, but rebreathing your own carbon dioxide is like, we only used to do that in grade school when we were hyperventilating, right? And we used to put a a paper bag around. I think it's interesting. Um, I'm not sure. I don't think that that will be a sustainable practice that we'd want to do for, you know, an extended period of time. But I do, you know, breathing oxygen and breathing your own carbon dioxide and rebreathing. And I'm not sure how many people are cleaning their masks all the time. So it's like, it's a weird thing. The the more incidents of touching your face because you have a mask on that you're taking off, putting on, like, I know my hands get much closer to my face when I have it on, but it's yeah. become such a taboo subject because people are getting sick and well, I get it. a respect issue. I get it, like, how do we even talk yeah, about like sanitation? This? And we now everybody's going to cloth masks and I'm like, you don't wash that thing. Like, what are you talking about? Right. Like, and do they it. actually filter out the particles? Do uh, we I know? I mean, it's right. like, you know, you can see sometimes, I'm, sometimes in society, if we at least see it, 
we feel relaxed about it. And I think that's okay. Right. I don't think we have any way to see that these masks that we buy that have these designs with lipstick on Amazon and you're like, (laughs) like, what are we? Are we going to more like, what are we doing here? Right. Cause if it's a fashion thing now, right. then then let's just call it a fashion thing. Cause nobody, they're not washing their masks, right? You're not washing your, that thing is like, it's Collecting. your mouth as your dad will Crap. tell you is a dirty place. That's like wearing the same underwear for seven days in a row. And you're like, Hey, this is a clean mask. And I'm like, wow, you touch that thing every day to take it off. And then you yeah. touch another things like disposable masks. I mean, they're just a piece of tissue paper in front of your face, but you throw it away. But I still see people. I mean, they pull out this. It looks like a used $1 bill, right? That's in this. It's in a million folds and they pull it out and they put it on their face. I'm like, hmm. Like, I just find everything interesting. I don't think it's good or bad. I'm just like, that is fascinating. Just taking note. Just right, I'm just data. taking notes. Like, this yeah. is a great. This is a human experiment where I'm like, now you're going to see a bunch of people. We can just hear that on the podcast when it's live. They'll just be taking their mask, picking it up with tweezers and like <laughs> dropping it into the garbage and then getting a new mask because they're like, I can't get masks. I get it. Right. Like I can't get masks or I didn't like the paper mask because they broke. So I wanted this cloth mask. And then they're usually with these hair ties on the end. So if I wash it, it breaks. Like I hear all of it. And I'm like, well, it doesn't seem like who's analyzing the masks. Right. Because when is the next business that's going to come up and be like free analysis for your mask or put it under UVB or UV or UV light? Like do something with it. There you um, go. UV light for your mask. That, I have that's one the for next my business. phone. Let's do it. Let's do it right now. And then hopefully the window doesn't close. So that's. Um, yeah. We'll be like it. a phone soap. Right. We're all sanitizing our phones now. You just need a yeah. phone. Uh, uh, Mask soap. <laughs> you need a mask, something great. to clean, something to clean your mask. But hopefully, we don't have this conversation in three or four more months. But yes, it's, hopefully, it's going on. So, not sure what'll happen with yeah. it. Yeah, I appreciate your opinion on that. Thank you. Maybe you can just share with us one more like top highlight takeaway for people that they can start doing today. Like, no That's equipment right. needed. No equipment needed. You know, what I'll do is I will make available my basic treatment guidelines book because that, if you follow that, which is stuff that you implement every day, you know, which is just a few things that you can do every single day. It doesn't take a lot of time because it kind of goes with the major, we'll call them among threes in the body, which are eliminatory systems. And if people do these things, you'd be surprised again, how many different symptoms you can alleviate. And they don't take long, like apple cider vinegar and breathing and dry skin brushing. I mean, these are things like, and I always kind of bring it back to exercise and people are like, well, I, you know, I don't have time to do it. And I'm like, really, this stuff takes 10 minutes a day. And you couldn't believe that if you exercised one time a month, that you get any benefit out of it. Like these things, as we talked about, when you put these things in play and you go for a certain period of time, it's not a lot of time. I mean, but it's the repetition of doing it and training your body and biological systems of what's happening. That's when you get the effects from it. We like pharmaceuticals because you take it and there's no pain, right? That's how we kind of got hooked on pharmaceuticals. I take it and it alleviates pain for a day. And we're like, yeah, but we weren't supposed to be doing these repetitively like that's where all our messages got mixed up we were supposed to have the lifestyle stuff that you did repetitively which was just movement and sleep 
and diet, right? That was it, right? That's what we were supposed to do. We were just supposed to move around a little bit, sleep, and then eat some pretty decent stuff. And that was repetitive. <laughs> and biohacking has kind of made a wonderful, we'll say, gap in that space to giving you some information to make you part dangerous, but very much more like knowledgeable. Everybody's responsible for their own health. There's lots of stuff you can do with the world of virtual medicine. Now there's lots of things that you can access and it's all our responsibility to say, like, we have to get back to conversations like this. Well, you're doing a great job of that with your practice in Arizona. I appreciate that. So thank you for that. So where can people find you if they want to follow you, learn more? What are the best Um, places? My website's thebiomedcenter.com. So I have a practice in Scottsdale. I have a practice in Providence, Rhode Island called the Biomed Center, um, New England. I got a little project in the Bahamas. I don't go to Canada anymore. And they can just kind of go to Dr. Drobot on Instagram and they can find me there. Just reach out and ask questions. I always am pretty accessible. Awesome. Perfect. We'll send our audience to you. Okay. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Love this episode of the Biohacker Babes podcast? Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We truly appreciate your support. Until then, happy biohacking. Biohacking.